welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to quickly get into tonight's message with a little bit of a story. Everyone loves a good story, don't they? Fantastic. And uh, what I want to share on tonight is called Living a Life of an Overcomer. Because there's many things that, I guess, come across our way, circumstances, situations, obstacles, difficulties, things of that nature that try and test us, try and take us out of the game of life. But I really believe God has called us to overcome. And uh, when I was a young person, 14, uh, one of my highlights was my youth ministry, which I attended when I was a young person. But uh, on Friday nights, when I got home from youth, I would sit in front of my TV. Anyone know what a TV is? Yeah, there's those massive box things that you see on the side of the road at present. That's the way people are getting rid of their TVs at the moment. They just put them on the side of the road. And unfortunately, someone comes along and smashes them up or whatever. But anyway, I had this, or in our, I guess, second living room, we had this 34-centimeter TV. And so on, on, the, on the, I guess, in the kitchen, I'd make myself something to eat and, and get something to drink and sit at the edge of the dining room table right up against the TV because it's only 34 centimeters. And I'd watch the NBA game of the week. And uh, in those days, this is when Michael Jordan used to rock the house, Chicago Bulls. Any Bulls fans in the place, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there's a few of us. So I'm looking also to this side as well, adults, so that you're included in this, not just our young people, because for some reason, NBA has come back around. And so it's really cool to purchase the shoes from way back in my day, Jordan 4s and Jordan 5s and, and, and many different expressions of Jordan 5s and Jordan 4s. And, uh, and I guess the basketball jerseys have come back. And so my favorite team back in the day was uh, the LA Lakers. And I used to love watching Magic Johnson play. He was awesome. And my friend and I, he had like the, the Chicago Bull outfit, the number 23. And uh, we used to get a game on in his backyard because he had a basketball ring and stuff like that. And, uh, and he, when we used to play social basketball for our school, I wore 32, Magic Johnson. He wore number 23, Michael Jordan. And we thought we were in a bit. Anyway, that was our little season of life. And unfortunately, they took off Game of the Week on, on Channel 2. And, uh, but as time moved on, in the early 2000s, there came this movie called Like Mike. Anyone seen Like Mike? Yep. And for those who don't know Like Mike, Like Mike was a movie. You can say that 10 times fast, hey? Like Mike. It was a movie about a young orphan named Calvin Cambridge. And Calvin dreamed of being an NBA superstar. And he used to get his game on in the back streets with his mates and playing ball in the back streets. And one, on one particular occasion, he saw these uh, Nike shoes hanging up on a power line. And he thought, you know what? I'm an orphan I've got raggedy clothes and raggedy shoes. I'm getting those shoes. They are mine. And somehow he made his way up onto the power line, got these shoes off the power line, and inside the tongue was written the initials MJ. He was convinced that these were Michael Jordan's shoes back in the day. And so Calvin puts on these shoes. And uh, on another particular occasion in the movie, he's uh, at his game, at his NBA game, 
sitting in the very back row, like the nosebleed section of the arena. And uh, halftime comes around, and the halftime competition was, you know what, if you, sit in, if you were sitting on this particular chair and, and your number was called out, well, then you could come down onto the court in front of everyone and compete against an NBA superstar in a competition. And if you beat this NBA superstar, well, then you walked away with X amount of dollars and prizes and all this sort of gear. And so his number, Calvin's number, was called out. He was pumped. And so there's this little 12-year-old boy facing this 6-foot-10 mountain of a man in this halftime competition. And he's got his MJ shoes on and he thinks, you know what, I'm going to own this dude. And so he gives it a red-hot go and all of a sudden, he starts hitting these three-pointers. After the competition, towards the end of the competition, last shot, he is up there dunking this thing and he is a superstar within a moment because of these shoes on. And from this point onwards, his NBA dream of playing NBA basketball comes alive. And he is all over media. He's uh, getting called up. And uh, so the movie goes on. And what I want to draw upon is, you know what? When Calvin Cambridge put on these shoes, he dominated the court. There was no obstacle that was too hard for him to overcome. And it reminds me of Joshua in the Bible. And I want you to turn to, if you've got the real legit Bible here tonight, you know, the paperback version, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to read Joshua 1 to verse 9. But if you haven't, go to your iPad, iPhone, iWhatever, or you can go to the screen. I'll read it out in a moment. But first, before we read the Scripture, I want you to share a little bit about Joshua. You see, Joshua was a faithful servant to Moses for a large part of Moses' life. You know, he had the privilege, the only Hebrew privilege to Moses to go up Mount Sinai, or partway up Mount, you know, Moses made it all the way to the top to get the Ten Commandments, but he was the only other person that went along that journey for some time. He was also part of uh, 12 spies. So in the lead up to to, uh, Moses leading God's people, the Israelites, towards the land in which God had promised them, in the lead up to this event, you know, uh, Moses chose 12 people to go out and spy out the land, to suss it out, to see what strategy they had to develop to overtake that land and take possession of it. And he was only one of the two, of two guys that came back with an encouraging the report. The rest of the guys thought, this is too hard. The land is full of too many obstacles, too many giants. This is way too hard. But him, Joshua, and his mate Caleb said, nah, we can do this. With God on our side, we can do this. And then at the end of Moses' life, when he passes away, God commissions Joshua to take leadership of God's people, the Israelites, and commissions him to take the people into the promised land. And so I want to read the very first few verses of Joshua chapter 1. Are you ready? And we're going to learn three things from Joshua's life tonight in helping us to overcome. Because if you're like myself, you're alive, you're alive in this place. Yep, we're on a journey, yes. Still living life. Life comes with some of its challenges and we need to be empowered to overcome, just like Joshua was empowered to overcome. Here we go. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you, 
And all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. What a powerful promise that is. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. And these are the verses I want you to take a hold of tonight from verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right that you may be successful wherever you go. In verse 8, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man, that is some powerful verses right there. I reckon I could stop right there and we can all go home, yeah? If you can just stop and meditate on those things. But I want to draw from those few verses tonight three uh, important keys. I believe if we take these on board, we would be able to overcome just like Joshua was able to overcome. And the first one is this. It's the power of a promise. You see, God in verse 5 promised Joshua, Hey Joshua, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. It's going to be all good. You don't have to worry. I'm with you on your journey as you go into the promised land. What is the promise you may ask? Cool, that's a good question that you asked. A promise is this, according to the internet. Now, everything's not true on the internet, but I reckon this sounds pretty good, all right? A promise is this, a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that guarantees that particular thing will happen. And so what God was saying, you know what, I'm declaring to you right now, Joshua, I'm not going anywhere. I am with you. You know what, the Bible is full of many promises. Just a couple real quick. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it talks about how God has promised us that we will not be overtaken by temptation. So we, His children, we will not be overtaken by temptation, but He will actually provide a way out. That's God's promise to us. So whenever we're tempted, we don't have to give in to that temptation because God is always providing a way out. You know, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, God promises to those who love Him and are for Him. He says, you know what? I'm going to work all things together for your good. And so I could go on and on and on about the many promises that are found in God's Word. But here lies the problem. We find it today very hard to trust in these promises because we look to our natural relationships. Because time and time and time or time again, that in our natural relationships, we've had promises broken, unfulfilled. 
And so my encouragement to you tonight is, you know what? I want to encourage you to find faith in God, trust back in God and His promises, and please do not overlay those experiences of failed, unfulfilled, broken promises that you have had in the natural. Strongly believe that many people today, that's the one thing, or one of the many things perhaps, but one of the main things that stops them from pursuing a relationship with God and trusting in God, even trusting and then trusting in His Word and those promises in His Word, because they will overlay their past experiences of unfulfilled and, and broken promises because of what they experienced in the natural. But our natural relationship isn't like the one that we're meant to have with God. See, God promised Joshua, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And that's exactly what he did. So the first thing is there's power in a promise. The second one is there's power in the Word. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 7 and 8, and this is probably like a message all in its own, I reckon. He spends a bit of time, God, speaking to Joshua about what he's got to do with his Word. He says, you know what, you've got to be careful to be obedient to it. I love the word careful. Because I think too many of us, perhaps our devotion in the morning or our reading of the Bible is, let's just open it up and go, bang, down, tick, and let's move on to the next thing. And we're not careful to look deep into the Scripture to see what it's actually saying to us today, to see what God might be saying to us today, what He might be wanting us to take notice of. And so he's saying, hey, look, be careful to obey. He says, you know what, Joshua, don't turn to the left and don't turn to the right. You see, keep your eyes focused on me. Keep your eyes looking straight ahead. Because you know what, to the left and then to the right are distractions. You know what, sometimes these distractions might be well and good, or well-intentioned and, and, and perhaps good people or, or, or good things to be involved in. But he's saying, you know what? Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. I want you to stay focused. Look straight ahead. And then he says to not let this word depart from your mouth. And I reckon he's speaking about, you know what? Daily, daily and many times daily, I want you to speak my word over your own life, over the people that you have leadership over over the significant relationships that you've evolved in, you know, this, this struggle that you're about to go through, you know, this obstacle you're meant to overcome. You know, I want you to speak life over it. I want you to speak my word over it. And see, today, I think that we perhaps struggle a little bit because we're not speaking the word of God over our relationship. We think that perhaps, you know, if we're involved in a marriage, that might be a little bit sort of, a little bit rocky at the moment. Where have you stopped then to get the Word of God out and then speak His Word over that marriage? Or it could be another situation. And then the last thing he speaks about, you know what, I want you to meditate, Joshua. I want you to meditate day and night on your Word. And this afternoon I was thinking, in leading up to sharing tonight, I was thinking about some of the things that Joshua faced as you read on in the book of Joshua some of his obstacles that he had to overcome. And the very first one was overcoming a place called Jericho. And God's strategy for overcoming, for, or I guess, getting Joshua and the Israelites to overcome Jericho was this. 
for six days, this is what you're meant to do, peeps. You're meant to walk around the kingdom. Don't say anything. Just walk around it just once a day for six days. On the seventh day, this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk around it a few more times. And then on the last occasion, someone's going to get out a trumpet and they're going to blow it extremely loud. Then that's your turn, all of the Israelites, to shout out praises to God. And you watch, the walls of this kingdom are going to come down and you're going to take over this kingdom. And I reckon on the first day, or maybe a couple of days into this scenario, there would have been a few officers, I'm sure, in some of the camps sitting around at night time, around the barbecue, going, I don't know about this Joshua dude. He's just a little bit crazy. What are we doing? This is ridiculous. How are the walls going to come down by us simply walking around it? And I reckon this whisper probably would have got back to Joshua saying, your leadership's no good. What are you doing? You are crazy. You're a nutbag. Crazy. And you know what? That's why God said to Joshua, you know what, Joshua? You must meditate on my word day and night because that's what was his confidence as he went into this attack on Jericho. You see, at camp more recently, young people, you remember this, Cam Bennett was our camp speaker. And uh, he shared about this word meditation on one of the sessions. It's one of the standout sessions of camp that all the, most of the young people talked highly about. And he spoke about uh, the word meditation and meditating on God's word. And the word meditation, for those who don't know, simply means to, to ponder, to reflect on, to think about. And he gave this illustration about a cow, and a cow's got four stomachs inside of it. And what a cow does when it eats the grass is that it eats the grass and goes into stomach number one. And then stomach number one brings that back up and he, uh, the cow starts then to chew on it again and it goes back into stomach number two. And then the stomach number two brings it back up again to continue to chew on it and chew on it and chew on it, breaking it down and breaking it down until eventually it goes through the whole process where the cow can get the necessary nutrients out of it. And then boom, we know what happens at the end. It's all good. And meditation, meditation should be similar to that, where you spend a bit of time, where you spend, not a bit of time on the toilet, where you spend a bit of time around God's Word and thinking about it and pondering about it and making it, make sure it goes deep down here within and then he went on to encourage the young people. Do you know what? Journaling is a very much a great key to have, a great discipline to have in fostering and developing your relationship with, with, with God. And I know that five weeks out, six weeks out, now that things have turned to normal for our young people, that it's great to hear and great to see our young people still getting a hold of the Word of God and meditating on the Word of God and then and turning their meditation into a journal, saying, God, I thank you for what you spoke to me here about this and about that. And I get, get great encouragement from my daughter, Maddie, who I see often, Bible out, and then her journal alongside, and she's writing and taking notes upon what she feels like God is saying to her. 
And you know what? This, this meditation and this journaling may not equate to an instantaneous changed life. But do you know what? When things get tough and you're going through a tough situation, things get a little bit difficult, you've got something to overcome. Your fallback plan is not necessarily going to be how you feel in that moment, but it's going to be based upon the Word of God. See, this is what I believe that this journaling has done and this meditation has done for our young people. I'm trusting, you know, for the rest of the church where you have dropped that discipline in your life. Please, 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 let's pick it up again. Because you know what? Too many people today, I believe, make decisions, life-changing decisions based upon how they feel and not necessarily going back to what God's advice would say through His Word because it's not actively present there in their life. And so when Joshua is hearing the whispers back from the different camps that have been taking place around the campfire about how he's crazy, this is no good. What sort of strategy is this? He can go back because he's got this discipline in place where he's meditated on the Word day and night. You know what? Before we move on to the next point, I reckon it would serve us well that in giving counseling to people or even before you go to counsel for, you know, from people, is to go, do you know what? Do I actually have this discipline in place? Have I got this what Joshua's got? Before I even make any decision based upon how I feel, because you know what? Life does throw some stuff at us that challenges attitudes and feelings, that tries to get bitterness and unforgiveness and hurt and all that sort of stuff to creep in and cement itself inside our heart. And like Chris said last week, our heart wasn't designed to, to take on all that sort of gear and live in a battered and bruised state. It's meant to remain tender. And before you do anything based upon how you feel, go back to the Word of God and go, hang on a second, I'm just going to do, for this next little season ahead, I'm going to do exactly what Joshua did. I'm going to meditate on his Word day and night. And I'll revisit this, how I'm feeling later. And I reckon that God will give God a chance to break in, break through, and bring the breakthrough that you need for that situation. Is that good? Cool. Cool. So talking about living a life of overcoming, first two keys were there's power in a promise, then there's power in His Word. And the last one is the power of encouragement. You see, in Joshua chapter 9, Chapter 9, not chapter 9, verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. See, God was putting courage into the life of Joshua. In that, verses, in that verse and the couple of verses before that, he said on three different occasions, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not be terrified. Don't be discouraged. You know, that word encourage simply means to put courage into. And what God was doing in those few verses was pumping up Joshua's tires because he knew what was going to be ahead. And so he knew that Joshua needed some encouragement. A little bit of encouragement goes a long way. You see, in Joshua, if we were to read on in verse 10 and 11, it talks about he went right. 
all right, guys, he went back to his army officials and said, all right, in three days, we're out of here. Get everyone to get all their stuff together. We're crossing the River Jordan. He was pumped. He was on fire because God had put courage into him, pumped up his tires. You know, I think of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and it talks about how or an encouragement to the church, God's people, hey, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let's do this to encourage one another. A little bit of encouragement goes a long way. I believe not just, you know, the Bible is a great source of encouragement, but do you know what? Sunday church is a great source of encouragement. You know, our connect groups that we hold fortnightly, they are a great source of encouragement. You know, when I was a young person and first gave my life to Jesus when I was 14, soon after that, I worked out really quickly that, you know what, the places to be as a, as a new Christian, as a first-time believer, was Friday night youth, a youth connect, and Sunday night church. Couldn't make it to the Sunday morning church, but I could make it to the Sunday night church. And I made sure they were, they were dates I made and everything else in my life that happened in my life worked in and around those things because I knew that they were a great source of encouragement. And the reason why is as you start out as a new Christian and particularly as a teenager, obviously a little bit of changing of the way you do things is taking place. And for the first couple of years over the summer break, that sort of lifeline or that sort of source of encouragement went to, I guess, bare minimum. Youth program stopped, Connect stopped, and my way to getting to Sunday night church was very rare. I used to rely upon my best mate at the time when I was 14 and his parents, and they'd pick me up. But they would go on holidays for most of the summer holidays. Good on them. And, uh, and so I was left to do life with the Ingle Farm boys. And... Uh, Growing up with the Ingle Farm Boys presented its challenges. And I remember on this one occasion, as a new believer, we were, uh, I was hanging out with some of my Ingle Farm mates. I'm saying all farm mates. I shouldn't say that, should I? Because it's sort of stereotyping a group of people, isn't it? Ingle Farm's great. I, I grew up in Ingle Farm. It's fantastic. It's a great place full of great people. And if you're from Ingle Farm tonight, God bless you. Anyways, so I was hanging around this group of people hanging around this group of people. And uh, on this one afternoon, we were having a few beers as, I shouldn't say as teenagers do because not all teenagers do that. But the Eagle Farm boys, they do that sometimes. Don't they, Riley Jones? Anyway, it's all right, it's all good. We have discussions about these things. Anyway. And uh, we'll hang, we're just being larrikins. And we're out the front of someone's house, and this man, the man, the owner of the house, he came out. And out of all the group, he like beelines me for whatever reason. I'm standing there with a beer in my hand, and he gets me by the throat, and he picks me up a little bit off the ground, so my toes are touching the ground, right? And he just gave us what for, and I can't repeat exactly what he said, all right? But it involved, you know what? And he gave us what for, and he dropped me to the ground. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and then he went back in, in, in the house. And so we took off. And I remember getting this beer bottle and I just ditched it as far as I could. And I just made a decision that day to, you know what, I just need 
to change. What's going on here? I need these things back in my life. What's missing? And I recognized it was because of the lack of connection, the lack of encouragement I found in the sources of church, youth, and my youth connect. And I want to emphasize a little part of that Hebrews verse tonight. As though some or as some were in the habit of doing. You know what? If we drop the habit of coming to the place, the source of encouragement, like the local church, like a, a Friday night youth program, or our Connect, or whatever is significant as a source of encouragement to you, let's not be like that small portion in Hebrews and drop that habit. Because I reckon if we were to read into their lives, that perhaps they wouldn't be no longer serving the way they used to serve, or they wouldn't be as close, as on fire as what they used to be because they dropped that out of their life. And so church, I want to encourage you to make sure you prioritize these sources of encouragement, to make sure that you can continue on in your journey and stay close to God. Because I really believe He's got a great plan and purpose for every single individual in this place tonight, whether you believe in Him or not. And you have come to the right place, to church tonight. And I'm trusting what I'm sharing is a great source of encouragement to you. That you can now go into your week, despite its challenges, despite its obstacles, knowing, you know what, if I put some of this in place, I was encouraged by what I received tonight. And I'm going to put this into practice now. And I really believe that I too can, like Joshua, start to overcome. Does that make sense? Cool. If the muses can come, we're going to... Bring this message to a close. We're going to land this plane. And so I want to ask you the question before I conclude. How consistent are you when it comes to you attending your local connect group? Church services on a Sunday. It's not just a religious thing. It's not just the thing you do. Please don't let it be heard like that. May it be from a position, you know what, I I just need this in my life. Because I recognize that I've got some struggles and I've got some challenges right now. and, And I need some of that encouragement. And I know this is the place in which I'll get it. In conclusion... Joshua is a fantastic book and perhaps that's some homework for you guys tonight to this next couple of weeks to read the book of Joshua and do exactly what Joshua you know, did, or what God commanded Joshua to do, to meditate on his word day and night. Go away and read Joshua in these next couple of weeks because it is a powerful book. And later in, ver- in chapter 12, you, there's a list of all the kings and the lands in which Joshua overcame, 31 in all, led the Israelites, God's people, in overtaking 31 kings and their kingdoms and those lands. You know what? Today, our battle may not be like Joshua as far as a physical king and a kingdom or physical land to to possess. But our challenge or our battle may be that which we've placed king over our life that is not God right now. That king could be a wrong attitude, a wrong thought, 
a feeling. Some of you tonight perhaps have allowed a feeling of bitterness, of hatred, of unforgiveness to be ruler over your life and your heart right now. And that's an obstacle that needs to be overcome tonight. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. God bless.